0: So we have this tradition here at Creekside, a weekly tradition, and I'm going to need your help with it this morning. On the count of three, I'm going to say our pirate ship kids are dismissed, and what I need from you is a hearty arr, okay? All right? One, two, three, R. All right, our pirate ship kids are dismissed, if that's you. We hope that you guys are enjoying your time this morning. Man, let me first, or I guess hopefully not be the first person to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys. I hope that you're enjoying the Christmas season. And uh, today we're going to be starting a brand new series called The Best Christmas Ever. Best Christmas Ever. Let me ask you a question. What is the best Christmas that you remember? What's the best Christmas, like for your life specifically, what's the best Christmas that you've ever had? You got it? I want you to find it. I want you to think about it for just a second. What's the best one that you've ever had? What made it good? What made that Christmas special? Was it the perfect gift that you had been asking for and begging for was it sitting around the tree with family or getting together with friends was it was it like watching somebody else open up a, a special gift that you had thought of that you had given them like what made that the best christmas ever you see i've got a ton of christmas memories in my life i've got a ton of them from being a kid, and you know, I was one of those kids that like, Christmas, I went a little all out. You could say that my parents were a little extreme, and if you were to visit our house on a Christmas morning, as a child, as I was growing up, and as a child, you would have kind of wondered like what prince I was, or, or what line I was from. My dad always said that, and we look back at pictures and old videos and stuff like that, and he would say, you guys got way too much at Christmas, and I, you're probably right, dad. But I think about my best Christmas, I think about the first Christmas that I ever had with my wife Ashley. We had been married for only five or six months at the time, and we're sitting around the tree. Because you know, that's the opportunity that you, you have. You get to set your own traditions. You get to set new. You get to see newness. And, and we're sitting around the tree. There's nothing better than, than Nat King Cole. Like some of you will argue with that. I was trying to teach a few young guys a little bit ago who Nat King Cole is. I was a little offended on Christmas morning. There's nothing better than that. We're sitting around the tree. You've got Nat King Cole gone. You leave. You go have Christmas ham with family. Best Christmas ever. What was yours? What is your best Christmas? If you're like me, you might be thinking, okay, like there is a blueprint to having a good Christmas, right? There's a plan, there's a blueprint, there's a formula. You've got to do X, Y, and Z, and if you just follow these steps, then you're going to have a good Christmas. Now, if you can't exactly do those things, then it may not work out for you. Now, I'm thinking about things like this, like, like decorating the tree. How many of you make a big deal about decorating the tree? Got to have the whole family there. You got to have that ornament from 1967. The angels got to go at the top of the tree. It has to be like this perfectly lit tree. Now ladies, I've learned over the last several weeks that ladies don't like colored lights, whatever that is. Like they only like white lights. That's really interesting. I learned that for myself. And uh, and hanging stockings, right? That's a big deal. You've got to have all the stockings right above the fireplace. You got to have them perfectly aligned how many of you you make a big deal about watching Christmas movies oh yeah absolutely Christmas vacation I don't even care if you think less of me as a pastor like I I really don't even care little fool a lot of sap love that movie or if it's a wonderful life love Christmas Eve oh man my mom's there like Christmas Eve it's a wonderful life Man, whenever George Bailey at the very end of the movie—spoiler alert—the uh, very end of the movie, man, with that that scene, it's just all coming together. It all works out for him. I just want to weep like a baby, like a child. I just want to weep. Best, or, or how many of you like you? You make a big deal like with with your kids. You got to go see Santa, right? You got to go see Santa in the mall. Okay, none of you like Santa Claus. Or, or how about <laughs> baking cookies? Like you 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 know, you get together as a family, you bake cookies, right? So you get it, you understand. There's a formula. Right? There's a plan. If we're going to have Christmas, if we're going to do it well, then we've got to do X, Y, and Z. And so in this, this new Christmas series that we're walking in, I, I just want to propose something to you. That if you're looking to make the most of Christmas, if you're looking to make the most of it, to, to get the fullest out of Christmas that you possibly can, I mean, just warn you that those things are good. Those things are awesome. And you're making memories, and they they are life-giving, and they produce joy in you, and they, they can produce peace in you, and they're really fun. But at the end of this Christmas season, if all those things that you do, if that's it, if that's all that you do, I promise you, you will not be satisfied. I promise you there will be a point in time, maybe... Maybe about December 26th, 27th, January 1st, you'll be like, man, Christmas is already over. I I didn't really enjoy it this year. I didn't really get the most out of it. I I say that just about every single year. It's over. I, I really didn't, I didn't get something out of it this year. Let me just say this, that if you're looking for all of those things to bring fulfillment, they won't satisfy you. Let me ask you this. What? What do you do if you don't have a tree? Can you still celebrate Christmas? What happens if you don't have toys and means and, and those types of things under the tree? Can you still celebrate Christmas? What happens if you don't have family? What happens if you don't have friends? Can you still celebrate Christmas? Can it still mean something to you? Can you still get something out of it. You see, our Christmas festivities and our traditions are good and they're they're life-giving, but if we truly understood the message of Christmas, then I believe our parties would be even bigger. If we truly understood what Christmas was all about, I guarantee you that our smiles and our joy and our contentment would would last even longer during the year. If we truly grasped and understood what it is. You see, there's this common misconception about what Christmas is. There's a common misconception, and, and even in our Christian circles and in like the church world, we've, we've kind of done this thing where we say, you know, make sure that you worship Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season, and it's kind of become this cliche. You see, more than Christmas is an event that we celebrate, more than it's an event that we celebrate, It is a message to be received. Christmas is an event, yes, it's something that we look back on, we reflect on, we celebrate. But so much more than that, so much more than it is an event that we celebrate, it is a message to be received. And that's cool. And there is a blueprint for having the best Christmas ever. You guys want to know what it is? I want to let you in on how you can have the best Christmas ever. The blueprint can be found by looking at the first Christmas ever. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Luke. We'll be in chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over here at our connect table, and that's a free gift to you. We would love for you to have a copy of the Bible And uh, that is for you to keep. Luke chapter 2, that's where we'll be camping out today. And, And here's the bottom line. If you don't get anything else away from today, if you don't take anything else at all away from this message, away from this series, here it is. Here's the bottom line that I want you to know, that you can have the best Christmas ever by receiving, receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. You can have the best Christmas ever by receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you got it in Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 1. I don't know if those are going to be up on the screen, but I know it will be soon. Just read along with me. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. in the end. Now, that part of it should be a little familiar to you. You if you've been in church your entire life or this is your first time ever in church, you've probably heard a little bit about that story. It might sound a little familiar to you. This is where we're going to pick up and, and you might going to hear a, a little bit of a twist so to speak with Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let's try that again, and I want you guys to read aloud with me in verse 10. And the angel said to them, we'll wait till everybody gets on. And the angel said to them, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Back up with me for just a second. Verse 10. That's the one that we read aloud. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Best Christmas ever. Over the next four weeks, we're going to analyze how we can have this best Christmas ever. And having the best Christmas ever starts with those, those ten words. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. So over the next four weeks... Having the best Christmas ever, we're going to analyze on those, we're we're going to kind of key in on those specific ten words, and today we're going to look at those words, fear not. Fear not. Now, you might be asking yourself, why in the world would the shepherds be afraid? Why in the world, what do they have to be afraid of? It's just angels, right? Well, you have to think about it a little bit, I think about it a little bit more like this, okay? Like, just picture you're watching sheep out in the middle of the night, these guys are just... They're kind of your average blue-collar guys. Maybe they finished high school. I don't know. They probably, they, they would have probably been considered a little bit of like your, your blue-collar, like high school dropouts, those kind of guys. They work with their hands. They're out in the middle of the night working with these sheep, which would have been considered like the, the lowest animal possible. So these aren't necessarily the guys that are invited to the parties. All right, These aren't exactly the guys that you would want to hang out with on a Friday night. Like These are the kind of guys, that, they're, they're, they're rugged individuals. And they're standing out in the, in the middle of the night watching over these sheep. And just out of nowhere, this angel appears to them and they're shook, right? Like they're scared. They're out of, their, out of their minds. They are just terrified of seeing these angels. Who knows? Like if you were just standing out in the middle of a field one night and an angel appeared to you, you would probably think it's an alien or something like that. You would probably think, oh man, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, of a UFO sighting right here. And so they're seized with fear. But you see, it's more than that. It's so much more than just angels appearing out of nowhere. You see, these angels, here and all throughout the Bible, angels represent the glory of God. Angels represent the glory of God. Now, that word glory is not something that we just use every day. That word glory is... And as we talk about the glory of God, I just want to give you a, a clear definition of what that is. The glory of God, whenever we talk about that, what we mean is, is the magnificence of God. The beauty of God. The majesty of God. And so these angels, whenever they, are these shepherds, they're afraid because they see this glory of God. They're afraid of the glory of God that's before them. The most beautiful thing that you could ever ask of, her the most beautiful thing that you could ever imagine. It's standing before them in the middle of the night. And this angel, wrapped in the glory of God, you see, these shepherds probably knew that in history, the glory of God hasn't always been this thing that was welcome to people. You see, the glory of God Was so powerful over the years that it hasn't always been welcome to sinful people. And these these shepherds, they know that. You see, in the Old Testament, the glory of God was so powerful; it was something that was so beautiful, so powerful that it was just it would always expose and it would always highlight the sinfulness of man. And we see this in places throughout the Old Testament where the glory of God and the sinfulness of man don't exactly mix. Now, I'm going I'm to give you just a few examples of this. If you are familiar with them, that's great. If you're not, I encourage you to go look them up a little bit later on. You see, there's this moment in time whenever Moses is up on top of the mountain, it says that the glory of God is there. It says that the glory of God is resting on this mountain. And he says to the people who are below the mountain, don't even touch the mountain. Because the glory of God is so powerful. Don't even touch the mountain. You are impure. The glory is perfect. The glory is pure. It has no imperfections. And so there, the glory of God, it highlights the sinfulness of man. Many of you are familiar with this moment in time where the, the Israelites are carrying this Ark of the Covenant throughout the Old Testament. They're carrying it. And he says to them what? He says, don't touch it. Don't touch it. It represents my glory. Don't touch the ark. And what happens? They touch the ark. They touch it. It was even accidental. But again, here in the Old Testament, we see the glory of God and the sinfulness of man. It doesn't exactly match. It's too pure. It's too perfect. It's too magnificent. And man is too sinful. Man is too rebellious. It doesn't line up. There was this time in the book of Isaiah. God calls this man named Isaiah and he gives him this vision. He gives him a vision of his glory. He gives Isaiah a vision of the glory of God. And Isaiah, as he looks and he he sees all these angels around and he pictures the magnificence and the beauty of God. What are the words out of Isaiah's mouth in this vision, in this dream that he has? He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. The glory of God and the sinfulness of man. The glory of God and the sinfulness of man. But you see, the place where we see the glory of God most in the Old Testament is in this place called the Holy of Holies. It's in the Old Testament where it is believed that the glory of God, where the presence of God resided and you could only go back there one time a year where the, the priest would go back there and he would have made all types of sacrifices and for the people and he would have to shed blood, shed so much blood just to go back to the Holy of Holies to sacrifice animals representing the shed blood for their sins. And this priest, he would go back and, and he would have to make sacrifice and it was on this, this day of atonement where they would have So much blood that would shed and it would represent God forgiving the sins of the people. As he was there in this place called the Holy of Holies where the glory of God rested. No one was allowed to enter in. You see, you've got the glory of God and you've got the sinfulness of man. And so right here in this moment, as the shepherds are seeing these angels Verse 9 says the glory of the Lord shone around them and the shepherds are filled with great fear. Because they know that the glory of God has not always been welcome. They know that the glory of God always highlights the sinfulness of man. They know that the glory of God is too powerful. They know that the glory of God usually hints and it it usually shows Something that's about to happen. Normally, whenever people get near the glory of God, they don't last long. They don't make it. They don't make it out. But you see those words in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. Fear not. You see, this is a new message. This is something new that God is doing in the world You see the glory of God is no longer in a tiny room. The glory of God is no longer striking people. The glory of God is no longer something that you can't touch. The the glory of God is no longer something that is far away. You see the glory of God here is lying in a manger. The glory of God is near. The glory of God is in the flesh and you can touch Him. The beauty of God is lying in a manger. The majesty of God is lying in a manger. And so these shepherds here are saying to them, fear not, but there's a message behind this message. And that message is, you have access to God. You have access to the glory of God. You can know the glory of God. I think about this as we see it in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, it should be up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4 says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, He was spoken to us by His Son. He's referring to Jesus, whom He appointed the heir of all things. Through whom He also created the world. Listen to this, and this is where we're going to key in on that. He, being Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Luke 2 is a story about the glory of Jesus Christ coming to creation. About the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Beautiful picture here of the glory of God that's come down. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second, that Jesus Christ is the glory of God. And for the first time in the history of the world, you can go near to this glory. You have access to this good news. And that's exactly what the shepherds do in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And what does it say that the shepherds do? When the the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go and let's see this thing that they're talking about. Verse 16, they go and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. He's lying there in the manger. Verse 18, and all who heard it, they wondered at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen. What are you afraid of this Christmas season? What are you afraid of this Christmas season? Some of us here tonight or this morning are probably way down. You're tired, way down from work, way down with relationships, way down. Maybe some of us this morning are way down by sin in ways where we've rebelled in our hearts against the Lord. Maybe. Some of us this morning are weighed down by bad decisions, weighed down by failures, weighed down by mistakes, weighed down by by times where we've rebelled against the Lord, weighed down. Some of you this morning, you feel like you're far from God. Some of us, maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a long, long time. And I don't know exactly what's going through your mind. I don't know exactly what's on your heart. I just know what the angels said. The angels said, fear not. The angels said, fear not, you have access to God. And you see, the best news, the good news about Christmas here is that the angels say to them, they say, fear not, for I have good news of great joy. The reason that they can say fear not is because this baby that came into the world would ultimately become the Savior who died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. This is the good news that the angels are bringing here. There is good news, meaning that you have forgiveness of sins. This is the good news of the gospel. What is the good news of Christmas? The good news of Christmas is that you have access to God. What is the good news of Christmas? The good news of Christmas is that you have a way to know God forever and to be a part of His kingdom. And I don't know this morning. I don't know how you feel. I, I, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe some of you are tired. Maybe some of you are, are looking for an out. Maybe some of you are looking for something that is going to be life-changing, something that you can put all of your stock and invest in. Here it is. Here it is. Jesus Christ came into the world to die ultimately on a cross for sinners like you and like me. You see, Luke 2 is an invitation to receive a message. Luke 2 is an invitation that says, come and receive. Luke 2 is an invitation that says, come and worship. And ultimately, Luke 2 is this message to be received. Have you received that message? Have you received it this morning? Whether you're close to God, whether you might feel like you're far from God, have you received this message of Christ and His kingdom? You see, if you want the best Christmas ever, the best Christmas ever is only found by receiving this message and worshiping Jesus Christ. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you today and, Lord, just as this Christmas season is getting started, as we're, as we're trying to unpack that, Lord, and even trying to figure out what that means, Lord, I know in my heart, Lord, a lot of times I try to create this plan. I try to come up with this formula to create the best Christmas possible. And really... Lord, Christmas is not anything about something that happens on the outside. Christmas is about something that happens on the inside. Lord, it's about receiving you. Lord, and just as the angels came, Lord, with those ten words that are life-changing for me and are life-changing for everybody else, fear not. For I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. That is Christmas. And that is the best Christmas ever. And so, Lord, right now, Lord, I, I just Lord, I, I want us to clear our minds, clear our heads. To make room for you, to make room to receive you as Lord and as Savior. God, I pray if there be anybody in this room this morning that feels like they're far from you, feels like the glory of God is just overwhelming too much, oh, that we would all heed those words of the angels, fear not. That we might be brought near. Maybe some of us for the first time ever. We love you, Jesus. And we ask these things in your name, amen.